This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey everybody, Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio here at ASTE 2023. I don't know, Jim, but it's been an incredible just day and a half, I think, or is are we in our second day? I don't even know. When I go to conferences, I don't even pay attention to the day. Tracy just says, Dad, you got to be here at this time. And so when she says, we got to be on the airplane tomorrow morning, then I'll know it's over. That's <laughs> just... That's just how it goes. It just, everything flushes and blurs. We are recording tons of great episodes. I know you're going to love them and enjoy them. We want to thank Dorman Training for having us here this year as our sponsor for the studio. And I'm sitting in here with Jim Kokonis. And we have a problem, Jim. (laughs) Just one? Yes. The problem is that I think the last time we got together and chatted, I think it was a Zoom call. Mm -hmm. We said, let's just do a quick half hour because I love to interview at the studio. Let's talk about things. And I think we lost track of time. I didn't have anything scheduled after our allotted time. And we went on and on and I took two pages of notes. What Jim and I can do is we can take our collective passion for the industry and we can talk about stuff that sometimes we wish could happen, that we want to happen, that we would like to fix this. It's almost like this big cauldron of ideas. And, you know, we could mix it, put in the right ingredients so... I don't know, water and bourbon and all that stuff. Yeah. And hey, plan to be at Apex 2023, October 31st through November 2nd. Apex will build upon the incredible success of Joe's Garage, a full 10-day working environment. If you earn your living in the auto service aftermarket, then Apex is for you. Hey, let's face it. Your shop management system is the most critical tool in your shop. And Napa Tracks will move your shop into the SMS fast lane. With on-site training, six days a week support, and local representation. Find Napa Tracks on the web at N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. You know where I think one of the difficulties when we get together and talk is I have often told people I have a trigger memory. <laughs> so I'll get going about something and, and a comment or a topic will pop up and it just creates this explosion of a picture. Me too. Off the side of my head. Mm-hmm. And I recognize that in my kindred spirit across the table. And so that's why our conversations tend to start off and it's like a bullet being lost. But here we we don't have ducks. We got uh, squirrels. Yeah. Anyway. Exactly right. But I have a question when that bing, that synapse goes off and you're trying to complete a thought or a sentence, can you hold on to it and then bring it back and then flush it out? Or does it sometimes fade? When I'm really on my game, I can hold on to it. Attaboy. But there are times when you're just not on your game and you got to acknowledge that's that. That's why everybody watches me. Carms writes all the time. Yes. It's usually when I'm writing is that I'm, all these ideas are flowing and I'm wondering, should the, the, the audience care if I should go in that direction? And so I, I never want to lose it because I want to pay attention as a listener, as an interviewer, but I also want to make the conversation bigger and better. And you're writing it. I'm thinking it. Yeah. So. See, you're, <laughs> you have a bigger mind, no. more brilliant than I'll ever <laughs> no. be. This is going to be a very interesting episode. We want you to hang around because Jim Kokonis is a philosopher and he's a passionate guy and he knows a lot. And I said, the gray beard's coming in really good. And you said, I said, those are experience highlights. Experience highlights. Yes. Yeah. And you said that's a whole episode. Yeah, it is. And, <laughs> yeah. And I have that too. And I think I may be just a little whiter than you. You need a few more years and that thing will be Santa Claus-ish. Anyway, I'm losing experience from up top though. So. Yeah, it's not me. It's staying and I'm pretty darn, people look at me and say, yeah. so 
how are you holding on to your hair? And I'm saying, I show him just like that. You just, you have good help. You hold it. I have good help. Jim was a contract trainer for CTI for a bunch of years. And then he became a full-time CTI developer. And now he's back being a contract instructor in He's passionate, this guy, about educational design. And that's the reason you're going to listen to this because Jim, let's go back to Anthony Williams and some episodes we've done on trying to rethink the educational piece in our industry. And it was Anthony who came on a show and we were with Justin. Remember Justin yes. Morgan? We yes. did, did we do two shows together? We, of course, lost Anthony and it was just a terrible shame, but he came up with this phrase, the stage on the stage. The stage on the stage. And from your perspective, what does that mean to you? So much of what happens in what we call training or education tends to be the other phrase that you would hear often in meetings would be stand and deliver. Go stand up in front of a room and deliver content. And the conversation we used to have, and this is not intended to be mean, but to get us to think about how we learn and how Teaching takes place as opposed to how the mind works. The purpose of a teacher is to teach. I have a book that about coaching and it says, talk less, ask more questions and become the coach that you never thought you could be. When a student gets to a point, you have to, I'm going to be blunt. You have to shut up and let them talk because that's when they're going to learn. But too often we just put people in a room and we lecture to them. Or we put them in front of a computer and we have them watch a video. And there's nothing wrong with any of those learning styles. However, when we really want somebody to engage their brain at a deeper level, when we want to make sure that the understanding is really developing, we're going to have other activities. And so you've heard me say before at these conferences, the classes are great. The people who are presenting information is great. It's all good stuff. But after a while, what do you notice people doing? They're networking. They're getting together at the hotel bar. They're going out to events. They're sitting around the lobby. They're talking. They've got computers out. Whether they understand it or not, they're engaging in higher levels of learning because if you are trying to give your knowledge to someone else, that's when you're really learning. Because if you can repeat it and get someone else to understand it, that's high level learning. Yeah. I've always said that on the show. It could have been you who may have taught me this. When you teach, you learn. And I've always said that if anyone is at a show, at a conference, name the big ones in the U.S. that you go to learn. I don't care if it's business management, sales, advisorship, or all the great diagnostic and mechanical stuff today, all kinds of EVs and hybrids here. Go back. If you're the lone guy who's picked in your shop, go back, take your book, pass it around, take a half hour lunch and learn, and tell everybody, I learned about this. What about that? Oh, here's a really cool thing. It was a side note is talking to somebody. And guess why? It's almost like putting hardener in body film mm. for you as a person. It just gets hardened inside of you. And you kind of, if you will, become an expert inside of that, even though you're not. But now you're the go-to guy in the shop. And a lot of the answers are in the book that you didn't cover, but they're there and they're in, they're in your notes. I think I mentioned to you before that Anthony and I were actually mentors for each other. He would bring me up to speed on educational concepts because I'm not classically trained in that stuff, but we would talk educational theory and Bloom's taxonomy and all these things that, what is this? This is a mechanical group. And then he would have questions for me about automotive related topics. And he said one time, he said, I have this mentor. I knew what he was talking about because we talked about it openly. He never answers any of my questions. 
He said, he asks me questions until I figure out I already had all the pieces I needed to answer my own question. And then he would laugh about it and go, that's what being a teacher is really about, is allowing the student to discover what they've learned. And unfortunately, sometimes we don't feel like there's enough time to do that because it does take time. You don't have to answer all the questions for the student. As a matter of fact, you don't want to answer all the questions for the student. You want to help them find the answer themselves. And it goes back to that whole, give them a fish versus teaching them to fish. And so that's where that passion about education comes in. My class at ASCE this year is actually developing a learning environment in the shop. And so we're going to talk about some of the tools and the techniques and things that we can use within the shop environment amongst the employees to foster that type of a learning environment. You had an episode with today's class. Yeah, David Boyer. And he had some folks that were using the app. And what they noticed was in the discussion amongst the technicians, they were now talking about, hey, the students were talking about this question that came up for some in the group. And they were actually discussing it and using it as a learning opportunity and reinforcing the training simply through discussion. That's another book I have that I love. It's called Discussion as a Method of Teaching. So I know you're working with today's class, doing some stuff. I am. I'm on the curriculum development team. What's neat, new, and different and unique there with you? So in so many training organizations, the content's put out and it is there until it's ready to be updated or replaced. Okay. The neat thing about Paul Pate is the person I'm working yep. most directly yep. with. Sure. And, and he's got his bona fides and been the dean of a college and he has an educational background he's with AC Delco in their training department. He has made a commitment that we will constantly refine our content. If we find something is worded improperly or maybe doesn't adhere to current standards, we're going to fix it. And so part of what I do is I take questions just like a student every day. And I look at those questions for technical accuracy continuity. Is this question being asked and expecting an answer on too specific of a manufacturer's platform? And should we explain that better so that the students don't get frustrated by, well, that's not how it works on a Kia. So there's that going on. And then the other thing that really impresses me is all the content that's being currently written and or reviewed is reviewed by no less than three other developers. And so there is real opportunity. You want to talk about peer review. There's a real opportunity there to gain perspective and everybody on the team has a unique skill set and focus. And I'm just really excited because we're working well together and the content is just going up and up. And that's something I'm proud to be a part of. If you knew what was going on in the background, when you flag a question, a human being actually sees that and has a chance to look at it and respond to either the learner or just fix a question. Really? Absolutely. Sometimes you'll see an email go out, whatever happened, obsolete information, or it's, it's not accurate or whatever. That question can get suspended today, fixed tomorrow and put back in circulation. And that's the piece that people don't see in that commitment to excellence. That's part of that platform that I'm really excited to be a part of. Glad to hear that you loved that episode on today's class. We had shop owner and his wife on talking about how it works. We have Matt Fonslo there. It was episode 879, and you could just either type in today's class on your listening app or on our website. Thank you for the high five on that. I just thought it was a great episode, and 
we know that there's a lot of really big companies using that. And it goes back to that perpetual learning thing, being a perpetual student, as I've always liked to call myself being curious. And it's back to that the apps create the conversation inside of the, the business. So if everybody's at a different level doing different things and they were stumped or challenged, then the conversation of training, of excellence, of learning ends up becoming a big cultural move, the behavior of the company, that, which is culture, gets into this perpetual learning mode. And what, an, what a great program that app is to push that envelope. And let me be clear. You always are. This, this type of an app is not designed to replace instructors, teachers. Keep it alive. Okay. It's a method of making sure that learners are prepared to engage in the next level of learning where now they are synthesizing. So don't teach me about this new cool test you came up with. Explain to me the thought process you used to come up with that test. That's where the learning is. Yeah. One is parroting. Learning is how do I take all these ingredients and bake another cake? And I guess that's where my passion lies, obviously, is used to have clients that say, don't teach me a case study. Teach me how the system works, how to effectively test it. I'll do my own case study the next time I got a broken one. Apex 2023 is hard at work building the largest and most comprehensive expo in the nation. From vendor booths to Joe's garage with 10 working bays, prepare to learn by doing and attending classes from some of the best and the brightest industry trainers that continually get superior rating from students. Register at aapexshow.com and choose your training classes like EVAP Diagnostics, the Analytical Test Drive, Diagnosing Keys and Immobilizer Systems, and a class on is the transmission to blame, among 30 others. Yes, Apex has the industry's top classes and trainers in a new setting this year. Also find every top industry company ready to talk with you about your business needs and career. So if you're, you're living in the automotive aftermarket, then Apex is for you. Plan your three days around Joe's Garage and see tools and equipment in action. Register now at aapexshow.com October 31st through November 2nd. Apex. Now more than ever. Let's face it, your shop management system is the single most important tool in your shop, period. Napa Tracks was built from the ground up to make your business more profitable and efficient. We provide an extensive set of tools to increase and track profitability in real time. Napa Tracks offers the industry's best post-sale support, hands down, and we train your people on-site. Yep, on-site. And we offer remote refresher training 10 times a week. And customer support is open six days a week. Give us a call, visit the website, or join our Facebook community today to learn more. We'll prove to you that Trax is the single best shop management system in the business. Napa Trax is always customized and tailored for you, whether you're a one-man shop or a large multi-bay or multi-location company. After all, it's your shop. So, it's your choice. Visit us on the web at NapaTrax, that's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. So I want to share a story that I've shared in the past, a story about me and my dad when I needed to get an answer from him on a problem that I was having. And my dad was always the answer man. He already knew what he was going to tell me to do through this. And when I sat down with my dad, I said to him, and I want everybody to understand this parable, this great truthful story that I'm telling you, but please use it for your own benefit. 
I said, don't say anything until I'm done talking. And then I'll ask you to give me your opinion. Because I could never get the logical conclusion and everything. And he always had an answer for me. I'm a B diag guy, whatever the rating crap's all about. And I work in Matt Fosler's shop and I go to Matt. Hey, Matt, this thing, what would you do? Matt would say, no, finish the story. What have you done? And talk your way through it, you see, to your point. But as an individual going to the well, to the smarter people with the gray beards that may have the experience you're, or the answers you're looking for, is don't ask them for the quick fix. Please talk it out. Tell them, listen, I just want you to hear my think, my logic. So I'm like four or five minutes into this problem discussion with my dad. And I looked at him and says, I got to go. And he goes, but I didn't tell you what to do. I says, you listen to me. And I figured it out as I was talking it out. Oh, powerful story. When we can learn that lesson, you don't have to fix everything. You don't have to give all the answers. Yeah. You just have to give an opportunity yeah. and make that learner feel safe to explore the topic. Yeah. And then when they have those, oh, I know what I forgot. Exactly right. And I have to reach out to my daughter here and say, that's a lesson. I'm not sure it works really well with us all the time, but please don't hesitate to say, dad, I know you're an ideas guy. I know you always want to have the right answer because you're my dad. You may have to just say, just be quiet. Listen to me. Because <laughs> so, I'm a little bit like my dad when it comes to there, but I learned this incredible lesson. And I think as a podcaster, one of the things that I think hit me really hard in the early days was that I had to be a listener. I had to be empathetic and I had to be way inside the conversation. In the early days, I would not be talking as much as I am now, but I'm confident that the education that I received from every guest that I've ever had on cannot be bottled up inside of me and just sit back and let you just, I just got to, hey, listen, this happened here and I talked to this guy here. So you and I and all my guests were sharing ideas and, sh and stories and happenings and we're sharing wisdom together. So that's the fun part about it. And when you're listening and not asking questions to a podcast and you're learning things, then let that get inside of you. And when I'm driving with Ann in the car, I says, get out the notepad and the pen. I carry a notepad and a pen in the car. Not that I do it when I'm driving, but I have my passenger do it or I got the button on the phone and I, okay. I talk into my phone. Okay. Because, because I, I was wondering if Anthony was here, he would be giving you a hard time about not using technology to its fullest. I, I understand. And I think it was him who slapped me up the face <laughs> when we did a couple of things. I swear he was one of the most hardest guys that was on one of my panels. And, and only because of his deliberate, passionate drive to get this thing right. And I don't know what it was about him, but he could deliver that. And you still like the guy. Yeah. <laughs> if I tried that, I got to go back and listen to that because I think there was a moment in that that I may have made a comment and I don't think he liked what I said or I, I was trying to drive the interview in a different direction or. The only thing I ever heard him get self-conscious about was when we would raise the issue of the letters at the end of his name. Oh. So he was a very humble person. Yeah. And he earned his alphabet soup on the backside of his name 10 times over. I don't think in this episode, we're going to cover everything that you're working yeah. on. But one of the other things is that you're the executive director of the Auto Talent Co-op with my good friend, John Gustafson out in California. And I love what John is doing. And I think when John found out that maybe you were available, I know you guys reached out to each other and... For some crazy reason, I thought that could have been a good fit for you. <laughs> I don't know why. Well, it has definitely led to a second adventure. So 
without going too deep, I am so blessed right now that I have found two projects that are mutually beneficial and aligned with where my passions are and two people that are allowing me to work both of these simultaneously because I explained where the synergy was and where I felt that the mix of projects would actually work well. And so John has this concept that we've been talking about the technician shortage for decades. Mm. And the reality is, have we really moved the needle or are we still in a shortage situation? Are we still so shy of filling the numbers that the industry says we need? And John has a different perspective because he has both repair and auto body shops that he's trying to fill seats in. And he sees difficulty in recruiting for both. Mm-hmm. And my wife worked for a company that was seeing the same thing. And we used to talk about that on a regular basis. And so there are a lot of organizations doing a lot of things that are really good. The trick is, where is the continuity? And again, not taking a swipe at anything because there's great work being done. But how do we create a holistic, cohesive system that finds the right people? explains the benefits of the industry, shows them what a career path looks like, offers up options on training that will help you navigate that career path, and then explaining to shops how they can be champions of finding and retaining these people because they've implemented the career paths, they've implemented the training, maybe they put an apprenticeship program into their facility and they are working toward finding and retaining these techs to fill these seats. And there are some shops we've found that have even taken it to the next level. I've got all my seats filled right now, but I still have the capacity to train apprentices. So if you know me and I've got three guys that are going to graduate and they've been competency-based tested through our apprenticeship program, do you have a need for technician and pass that along? Distributed generation I guess, think about it like that. Wow. Where we talk about power systems, no one entity can do everything. Distributed generation, meaning I may be an individual who's helping to train. I don't have a a place for him. So I've got to enter that person into the system for someone to take from me. So am I an incubator that's growing apprentices? Do you remember a program way back when OVD2 was really getting started up where they went out and they trained and seeded 10 regional guys that went out and did 10 regional guys and they became their own entities going out and training OBD. Okay. And that program ran for a number of years, but it distributed the responsibility through people who GWC, there's a Gino Wickman concept from uh, EOS. They get it, they want it and they have the capacity. And so they became their own little fire plug that was out teaching people to help teach tax. And so if we can't solve yesterday's problems with yesterday's thinking. So what we're working on putting together is a group of people to work in pods, to work on specific areas of interest, training, mentorship programs, career pathing, and then sustainability part's going to be a piece of it. But there's five pods and we're looking to attract the people who understand that and they have the capacity to try and help come up with ideas. One of the guiding principles is we have to have our egos in check. We have to be able to work together. Napa's got an amazing apprenticeship program going. Can they fill every need? Probably not. What are the pieces of it that work? How can we replicate that where needed? 
and work together. What about the recruiters that are out there? You've had episodes with oh, some yeah. pretty impressive people. Oh, I know. And they're doing some amazing thing, but they also need shops that they can put these techs with that there's going to be sustainability. So the auto talent co-op is just that. It's designed to be a co-op. We've committed to working on this for a year to try and get it together and get some traction. And we've already started to add people to the pods. If anybody's intrigued by that, reach out. Don't mean this to be an advertisement, but we're looking for help. We're looking for ideas and it's going to take all of us to figure it out and move the needle instead of just, we can do all we want with training great technicians, but if if we put them in shops that grind them up, spit them out and less than 50% are retained or whatever the number is within two years, then our estimates on the number of people we need are a lot bigger than what we're admitting. Yeah, way bigger. Too many people are not aging out, but they're just frustrated because they're leaving, well, they're leaving post-secondary, going to dealerships. I'm not talking bad about dealerships, but I'm not sure they've got the smarts to get these people, these young people into more challenging jobs and showing them a career path and trying to get them to fight for that flat rate position. Take the skill set of a diagnostic technician and give them an opportunity to go into medical laboratory equipment repair. Oh, listen, Matt Fonslow, we've done shows on our network. We've had people that left. They come on and talk about where they went. And one show that we did a whole while back, work on forklifts. It's just a different, better, easier job because where he was not a top tier shop. And the, the thing of it is that if we don't create top tier shops from the, from a management leadership perspective, culture perspective, and they're not profitable, we're not going to be able to retain. So people are going to leave our industry because they find no home. They find no direction. They find no career. And wow, you buy me a pair of uh, steel-toed shoes every year and it's a great benefits program. And thank you for the 401k. And I got how many weeks of vacation? And I don't have to work Monday through Friday and I can work eight to four. I mean, I don't, we've heard this stuff over and over again. And if we look in the mirror, to your point, part of the problem that we are having a problem of recruiting. Anyway, I have another total idea when you talked about the words apprenticing. Uh-oh. Yeah, I, I want to throw this by you. You've never heard me say this before, but of recent, in the last, say, three weeks, I'm this really big, powerful shop. I've got a couple locations. I got a, maybe 20 bays between both locations. I've been bringing in apprentices and running them through the tracks. I've made some really good choices and some bad choices, but we're doing some really good people. And in the circle around me, in a hundred mile radius of in my network of other independents, they keep looking at me and saying, man, I don't know how you're doing this apprenticing program. It's really something. I just can't get off top dead center. I I just can't find the time in my business, but I know I need people and I know I should be doing this. Would you train someone for me? So this person from 50, 60 miles away says, listen, I've got young people around me, customers saying, my son, my nephew loves to work with their hands. I think this would be a viable opportunity, but obviously we have to be recruiting inside of our business and social media and marketing that we're looking for great young people to join a thriving high-tech industry. Well, I find someone and I send them to Jim Kokonis's shop 50 miles away who is just, he knows apprenticing, he knows how it works. And he does a residency with you for a year and a half. I pay for his little efficiency apartment. I pay his wage and I give you a stipend to do this for me. Is this an off-the-wall idea? I don't think so. So, for example... I know of one program where they're bringing, this is kind of, this is an aggressive schedule, but the idea is to bring somebody in, they work with a trainer in their chosen field for six months. The next six months, they're assigned to a technician, but the technician isn't 
build for the apprentice for the next six months because the trainer is still there to help get that apprentice up to a level of efficiency where they are of value to the business. So in other words, if I'm your lead tech and you're working with me, I'm going to get a benefit off of your flag hours while you're in the program. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is to prevent the problems that arise where the apprentice is still in that they've, they've got a little bit of a drag shoot out in the efficiency department. The shop is funding that right. through the trainer right. and everything. Right. And then by the end of 12 months, if they are going to get it, they're going to hit a point where they're either neutral or a benefit. So now the mentor is responsible for all of it, able to reap a benefit until they graduate. And then when they graduate, process will start all over again. So there are models like that, but I think that's an interesting idea and it definitely would have merit in the right situation. The numbers have to work for everybody. I agree. But to me, there's one elephant in the room before that. The fastest way to destroy an apprentice is put them with somebody that thinks they're a mentor. Exactly. And so that's a really harsh statement to make. I've heard this thing for years where if you can, you do. And if you can't, you teach. And I'm like, just because you can do it doesn't mean you can teach it. Right. And there's your reality check. That is. Albert Einstein wasn't the best physics instructor because he had forgotten everything that gave him his mental models. And he couldn't teach that to the new student. He had to give those to an assistant to get him up to a point where they might be able to have a conversation with Albert Einstein. It takes a lot of thought and responsibility and effort to be a good mentor, to quiet your mind down, to be kind, to be supportive to help that person reach their goals. Yeah, yeah. You are a servant leader if you're going to do it right. So I know, and I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank, but there are programs, assessments for mentor. And I don't think you can take anyone. Charlie's been with me 20 years. He's going to be your mentor. It may not necessarily be built for that because it's really a special. It's almost like you got to go to a class to learn how to be a mentor. You got to go to some training and you need to have the right human Traits, qualities, communication skills. Soft skills. Yeah. Call them soft skills. Call them soft skills. So cool. One of the things that you and I were chatting in the green room before we <laughs> turned on the microphones, uh -oh. it was very controversial, but you said, I don't know, should I bring this up or not? So it was about, does the shop have the rights to put up that certificate of all these high quality people? Wow. And I guess it goes back to this thought of, this is just not a podcast to talk about what we need to do to take our technicians to a the next level. It's really about taking our industry and our business people to the next level. And what's going to happen is through the networking and through the trainings, so many of our great technicians, even the ones that are coming here that are networking and learning, they're going to realize they may not be necessarily working for the right shop that's going to take them to the promised land because people are here talking about the technicians making this kind of money and that kind of money. I would love to be inside the brain of someone sitting in the classroom when a, a coach or a trainer gets up and says, hey, if you're not making 80 or $90,000 a year as a technician, then you're doing something wrong or the person you're working for is doing something wrong. And they leave here and they drive all the way home and they say, WTF. And so those are- To anyone, I'm sorry, to no, anyone with experience highlights, think back to- the jobs you had in the mid to late 80s and what you were making at those jobs. And then go on to Google A and search the value of a dollar from then to now. Yeah. And realize 
just to keep up with inflation, what you should be making. And that doesn't allow anything for your expertise and growth and skill set over the years. That isn't a reality check as to how the market has shifted and values have been redefined and reassigned. There's that. But the comment that I made is we're constantly seeing discussions about improving the level of technician, about improving, verifying they have the ability to do this competency-based training, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, where that certificate or certification has meaning. If somebody has earned this certificate, you know what they have tested with the ability to do. And that is great. I think that model is great. The, the place where I always got in trouble, Carm, I may alienate half the audience right now, but I'll say it because I think it's worthy of a discussion. What does a business have to do to qualify to employ that technician and their proven skill set? What's their end of the requirements? I put that out there as food for thought, not to be mean or anything else, but we all have to be working to bring this thing up and shops that are working hard to make the kind of money to where they can offer the benefits package to attract the talent that they want, they get it and they're doing it. And then there are shops that are working hard to get the numbers where they want, but is that extrapolating out into attracting and retaining the type of talent we say we want? That's just a question out there for thought. Yeah. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but well, I, you did. It's okay. No, I, I, I'm we a got, big guy. And I think you handled it well. And I want to summarize what you just said into what's called deep thing. Just don't gloss over what Jim just said or the challenge that I made to him about the certificate on the wall. And if we know that we need to have just extremely talented people that are going to go to school and take training all the time, are they, am I worthy? Am I doing all the right things to continue to generate? traction and bring in new customers to become clients and buy all the right equipment, provide the right training and have the right environment and the right culture. And just down the line of all these key strategies that makes for a great company. And I guess if you're committed to the kind of training and people are blossoming and your company is becoming more efficient because the knowledge is transferring into that, then I guess ask yourself as a business person, am I worthy to have these people? And if not, I know they're going to leave someday because they I just, we don't have a sticky enough organization to keep. So do some deep think with everything that Jim and I have just talked about here. This was a, a special and different kind of episode because I don't know if you've noticed, but Jim does pause before he answers anything because he wants to get it semi-right. And because like me, you're extremely opinionated on the direction of the company. And to talk about the $1980 to today, I've been doing that more than anything, really. We just had a wedding for Tracy, right? Two weeks ago of this recording. Two weeks today, right, Trace? Yeah, two weeks today. And so about three months ago, found a folder of our wedding and all the expenses that her mom paid for. <laughs> and so I told them and I put them in from the year we got married to today's dollars. And we spent a little bit more, but it's amazing to think about it and why that has captured me is when you go out and buy anything today and you ask yourself, where did all this cost increase go and wonder why we're so many are living paycheck to paycheck. We hear these stories all the time that income isn't keeping pace with inflation. Half the country says we don't have inflation and we're okay. And the other half says we can't make it. And it's taken thousands and thousands of dollars of gas prices out of our pocket. 
And so the reality check of what were the 1980, even the $19, 1990 dollars as they are today goes back into the income that you should be making. And we're not here trying to tell everybody that you, but every coach that I know of and every show that we've done and creating labor rates and managing costs and providing a, some great hybrid pay plans for our technicians and getting creative. It's the reality today. You have to pay attention every to run a great business. Don't be expert in any one thing. Know a lot and then get people to come in and help you to refine those areas. And that's what you're doing on the training side, man. I, You and John, I hope you do great things, you in today's class. So keep up the great work. You're always available to come on the show and bring your passion, your opinionated passion. But I don't think many people can argue with how you look at things, your philosophy on training and the assessments that we need to have to qualify our people to go to the next level. It's not the, to Anthony's point, it's not the sage on the stage stuff. And look at if you sent your people to go to training, doesn't matter which training event and they come back and you just said, oh, thanks for coming back. We missed you. And you never look at the book. You never sit down with this person. You never ask them to do, go do a half hour in what you learned. Oh, you attended five classes. Well, for the next five lunch and learns, you're on baby. And you're never going to get your money's worth without following up and following through and getting inside what that learning curve was like. And just to answer one thing, am I opinionated? Yeah. But is my mind fully set and concrete? Absolutely not. If you were to sit in my class this afternoon, one of the first things I'm probably going to do is start with, hi, my name is Jim Kokonis. I don't know everything. That's right. Yeah. Because I, I don't think you can anymore. Yeah. But I think with time and deep thought and observation of the world, you can get tuned into some pretty solid information from which to work. And I have taught something all my life. Everything I've ever learned and gotten good at, I have taught to someone or groups of people. And I'm very passionate about teaching and how the brain works and how it learns. That's what's enabled me to become passionate about these two projects that I'm involved with now. I'm so thankful for the freedom to explore some of this stuff in an environment that is a lot easier to navigate than previous endeavors. So thank you for clearing that up. Opinions. I'm opinionated, but I think the opinion I may have on something today was completely different than it was a year ago, five, 10 years ago. I think a quality of having an opinion, a direction, a North Star is you're following something. Mm-hmm. But please don't be so hardened that your opinion counts to the world around you. Be open to the ability to reform and reshape your opinion. And I think opinion can be a bad word if you let it. Just like ego. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Listen, ASTE 2023 sp- sponsored this year by Dorman Training. Jim Kokonis, thank you, my friend, for being on. Carm, always a pleasure. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.